Hey everyone, welcome to a good football show. I am Matt Straup, and there is one week to go until the NFL draft. So today we are going to be taking out the good football show lie detector on some of these scenarios we have heard may or may not be on the table for the NFL draft. Is it likely? Is it complete nonsense? We'll do our best to break it all down. I'm joined by John Daigle, Pat Doherty, Denny Carter. Guys, before we start, I want to quickly get your thoughts on something that has rocked the sports world. And that would be everything that's gone down with the European Super League. I guess I'm wondering if you guys are sick of it already, fascinated by it, and I'm just going to tell you my blind assumption before you guys weigh in. My blind assumption is that Daigle and Denny have been following this closely, may already be over it. They may already be done with it. Pat, meanwhile, is first and foremost trying to figure out how this affects online FIFA against his friends on Friday night. <laughs> Not Friday. It's Wednesday night. Oh, oh my <laughs> it's bad. last bad. night. Dad night. Wednesday. Had a good night last night. Two pints of local beers, stayed up till after midnight. We played with Man City. We just wanted to try to get some wins with the co-op. And so yeah, we got a few easy wins before bedtime. Yeah, it was great. And I think the whole concept of this should have just been, Denny or John, can either of you even explain what the Super League is? I mean, I, not to show off, but I mean, I can. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know that if, if you guys followed soccer at all. I actually faced him a friend in London last night. So I'm a little bit oh caught my. up on it. That's cheating, by the way. Having said that, unless I'm mistaken, it's true that the fans, like no one knew this was coming. Like it just, it was an announcement that happened out of nowhere and RIP'd in 24 hours, <laughs> right? It was the first time <laughs> a Super League has been rumored for like a decade. Okay. But like this actually happening did come out of nowhere. They released a press release at like 11 p.m. like London time Sunday night. And it w within like 18 hours the next day, they had fans encircling their buses. Oh, my God. Both Liverpool and Chelsea had their buses encircled by their own fans protesting the league. So it appears they underestimated the violence of the opposition and yeah, within 48 hours, it was already RIP'd to like the Wikipedia lost rabbit hole of time. How could they possibly underestimate the backlash of messing with soccer in Europe? <laughs> I mean, what what is more important? Literally nothing. There's nothing, nothing more important to those people. Yeah, I said those people, and I mean it. <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, as someone who doesn't get soccer, I learned about it. And all of my information comes from NPR. Uh, which had a man with a very strong British accent talk, talking about it for about five minutes. And I picked up all I needed to know. And it made me think, and I know this is probably, we, we could do a whole show on this, but it made me think if football were to do this, which 10 teams make the cut? I mean, you are talking about the most divisive conversation possible in American football. It's weird because we, we have no analog for it. And so Europeans are a little feistier than the Amer Americans are a little more easygoing, kind of relaxed. Like, was there anything in American sports that could get fans to surround team buses? Well, I think the 10 teams splitting off from the NFL could do that. Yeah. But see, like that, there's just no way it's like impossible for us because this is all like every country has their own domestic league. And like, there's not like four NFLs in North America, you know, and like, mm. it would be like there are four or five main NFLs in North America and like the three or four best teams in every league, like seceded and started. Their, so it's hard to even like come sure. up with an analog. In terms of relegation and all that, baseball is the closest we come. And as Denny and I talked about, no one cares about baseball. So <laughs> hold on. Uh, baseball is yeah, the only sport where we have the infrastructure where that could be, it would ha we'd have to decide like, oh, okay, we're going to have a 120 team league 
that's the only league with any sort of infrastructure that you could even like implement that kind of plan. And even in baseball, it would be impossible. But anyways, yeah, I will. Uh, I think 49ers fans, on my wall. I'm talking over Matt Straub. I think, and I try to like lead in to the beginning of the show. I thought it was an accident, Matt. Uh, I think the one Wait, thing that you're talking over me and you're hosting now. So I'm going to go. What's going on? I was, I was going to say, I think the one thing that could get, this is a tease for the rest of the show that could get fans to encircle a team bus <laughs> in America would be the 49ers drafting Mac Jones. I'm glad you got that in, Pat. <laughs> Let's get right into it. We're going to get into some of these scenarios, pull out the lie detector on them, and let's start quickly with the smoke screen of all smoke screens or not surrounding the 49ers and Mac Jones, then potentially taking him third overall. Daigle, as we break out the lie detector on this, what where do you where do you come at this from? Denny and Pat discussed this in length on Monday, so perhaps they want to add something else right after me. But I will say it's interesting because Trey Lance at Points bet, the books that, of course, covers NBC sponsored by us. Uh, right now has Trey Lance plus 350, plus 375, I believe, last I checked. And that should not be the case at all, considering Mac Jones is minus 150 favorite, which he should be. And Justin Fields is sitting around even money. We don't know who's going to be the number three pick. All the information suggests Mac Jones, which is why I think he should be the favorite. But if we don't think they traded three first round picks for someone who isn't mobile at all and only has his arm hoping it goes right in the NFL, then that does make sense that it's either Fields or Lance, which is why the numbers should at least be closer. So I just want to say, I think it's a great betting opportunity to bet Lance. And as far as we know, we've actually heard more information that it's not Fields than it is. I think we love Fields. I know we love Fields a lot. I don't think the NFL likes Fields pretty much at all. Um, so I, I haven't even been considering him at number three, honestly. This the thing that I keep coming back to with this is like all the early smoke suggested this was real. And like so like the only viable alternative is that it's a smoke screen. Like who are they smoke screening? Because they can't right. be jumped by anyone. And my, the, my new working theory is that they're, they're smoke screening their own fans. That like it got out and leaked that it was Mac Jones. They didn't like the reaction. So now they're at least trying to create this like perception that they're doing their due diligence on Trey Lance and mm-hmm. Justin Fields. And it's like creating like this big elaborate process. So someone is drafted, like, listen, we we did the process and it was still Mac. And they're trying to keep the fans from surrounding the buses. They are, yeah. That's they do not want do. these buses surrounded in Santa Clara, and that is what this smoke screen is about. Uh, thankfully all the fans are at the beach and they, they don't care <laughs> like all West coasters. But uh, you know, John's point is, is the thing that I can't let go, which is you have a smart organization, a smart GM and, and a head coach who are going to pass on two you know, mobile dual threat quarterbacks with the number three pick, the, the, the direction, like the very clear direction that the NFL is going, they're not going to get on board with two great prospects. Instead, they're going to draft the one guy who, who doesn't run, who can't run, who's who's a traditional, uh, much more traditional quarterback. I, I reject that. I cannot accept that. It is weird. So like Kyle Shanahan has had success with all kinds of quarterbacks and um, maybe after the Robert Griffin the third experience, like th- maybe he thinks that kind of quarterback can't stay oh, healthy. No, no. Someone is going to be running and exposing themselves to hits. I mean, RG three couldn't, but RG three seemed to have a very unusual addiction to yeah. taking massive open field sacks. And most dual threat quarterbacks uh, avoid are pretty underrated for avoiding those kind of hits. For sure. And Please don't talk about RG three in the past like that. I don't know if you remember his tour de force performance for part of a game this season. <laughs> yeah. 
he got he was in there for at least uh 18 minutes of real time so yeah, that was a huge, huge oh, uh, man pat I hate, I hate that you just brought that up because you're right that rg3 experience uh, turned him off turned off shanahan to the russian quarterback oh it's going to be mac jones all right so we have 10 of these to hit that was the first one I wanted to hit that quickly if you want to hear more on that check out the episode from earlier in the week where Danny and Pat talked about it some more. So let's go to Atlanta now. The Falcons, fourth overall. We've heard them connected to Kyle Pitts potentially, heard them connected to a possible trade down. They've also all along been in the mix to potentially take one of these four quarterbacks or five, I guess, if you count Mac Jones. So the question we want to hit with a lie detector, Pat, is are the Falcons looking to build for the future with a quarterback at number four? I, I just I think they're not and like the piece of evidence I'm going to cling to some people might say it doesn't matter because so Matt Ryan is essentially financially locked in for the next two years no matter what massive cap hits massive dead money hits and you can make the argument that that's fine that they'll take a quarterback and have them develop behind one of the better players of his generation but we know that's not going to happen and all the financial smoke just points to there's just no way that they could do because there's there is quite literally no way they can move on from Matt Ryan this year and almost quite literally no way they could do it next year mm-hmm. and like that would be that would be like the Jordan Love pick on steroids to right. take a quarterback who might be sitting for two years or to have the most expensive backup athlete in the history of uh, professional sports so I just even though it would have made sense in a world where Matt Ryan's contract wasn't so stratospheric. But I, I just think that that deal totally precludes the possibility of a quarterback at number four. And a rebuild also would ask the question, what do you do with Julio Jones and what do you do with Calvin Ridley? It doesn't just stop at Matt Ryan, who again is 36 years old and everyone's saying that as a negative when we should be saying he's only 36 years old. He has three or four good years left. And the team, although they really aren't built to win right now, they're built to compete. And Kyle Pitts... Even selecting them this year will help elevate the next quarterback, whomever that may be, whenever he comes along, whether that's next year or three years down the road. So if they stay put, first of all, I think they aired their dirty laundry wanting a blockbuster deal. They would like to move back because they do need help in a lot of areas, which is why quarterback, tight end, receiver, offensive line, defense all make sense. But if they stay put, they have a chance to get pits. And remember, uh, Arthur Smith ran the most personnel with multi-tight ends last year and the past two years with uh, with the Titans. And so I just think it just, it just fits. It helps elevate Matt Ryan for however much longer he's with the Falcons too. So Pitts just makes all the sense in the world to land there. Uh, there, were, there were some reports about a month ago that uh, the general manager Fontenot and Arthur Smith were not in agreement on how to use the pick or whether to trade it away. Um, apparently from what I remember, uh, Smith was leaning toward, you know, going, uh, for a non quarterback and presumably Pitts, uh, thinking that Ryan, like John said, Matt Ryan would have, uh, two or three good seasons left. And there's no reason to think that that, that that's wrong. That, uh, apparently they have come to an agreement. They were very vocal about this a couple weeks ago, but we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what the decision, obviously, you know, they're not going to, going to announce that, uh, for fantasy purposes, I think Matt Ryan becomes like a steal, uh, you know, in, in one quarterback leagues. Well, we also super flex, I guess, if Kyle Pitts lands there. You have Kyle Pitts, hopefully a healthy Julio, and Calvin Ridley. What trio is better than that? You know, I, I think it could be tremendous for Matt Ryan. 
I will say the, the Matt Ryan opinion I keep nursing is like, so 36 is not that old you know, by today's standards for a franchise quarterback, as we know, but I, he was not quite the same in 2019 after that ankle injury. And then last year was just another, mm-hmm. I just wonder if maybe the guy who has always been so immobile, maybe like Tom Brady has made it work somehow, but maybe Matt Ryan will just age like more traditionally the way a quarterback does. But I, John, you're, they have so many needs. So like they would, they're kind of like the best of both worlds though. Cause if they get to trade back, that's great for them. They get to address more needs, like fill a roster that has so many holes. But then, like, if the offer doesn't materialize, you know, that's fine. They get, like, a truly, truly special player at number four. So they're actually in a pretty good position as long as they don't take a quarterback and get a bus surrounding uh, going in Atlanta. I know the Falcons front office does not, nor should they think like this, but I always laugh whenever you hear analysts or fans say, Falcons have to take a quarterback because when are they going to be in this position again? And I always think it's the Falcons. They're going to be <laughs> right back here in a couple of years. We don't have to worry about that at all. By the way, I just thought of one more fans surround the bus scenario. Mm-hmm. It's if the Falcons take Justin Fields fourth overall, a guy who University of Georgia totally blew it with, then game <laughs> one, Matt Ryan throws like three picks. Oh, The fans will be surrounding the bus. Oh, yeah. For to the end of time, every bus, um, well, yeah, there'll never, there'll never be a Falcons bus that isn't, yeah, enveloped. Yeah, um, I'm done with buses, by the way. That was my last bus reference. It was not mine. I will be making this joke the entire podcast. Just so. kill it. Just stop on it. <laughs> Joe Burrow took 32 sacks in 10 games before his season ended with a torn ACL. The question is, are the Bengals going to prioritize protecting him with the number five pick, Daigle, or will they get him an incredibly awesome toy to throw the football to? I am outright calling lies across the entire industry if you believe the Bengals are going to prioritize an offensive tackle over Jamar Chase. It just doesn't make sense. The Bengals and Mike Brown have historically devalued uh, offensive line protection historically, and not only fitting and connecting the dots with Burrow to Chase clearly played together in 2019, but also we can pass the torch from AJ Green onto an archetype uh, alpha that the team doesn't have right now, possession receiver in Tyler Boyd, and then a deep threat in T Higgins on the other side. But then adding an offensive lineman and still needing the receiver position, it just doesn't make a splash like Mike Brown has also shown he's more than willing to do when you go back to him drafting John Ross inside the top 10. John Ross, who only had four, over 400 receiving yards in one season out of four years at Washington. Like Ross was fast and that's it. And he still drafted him with a top 10 pick. So now mm-hmm. imagine a guy who was 19 years old and had 20 touchdowns and over 20 yards per catch in a single season and then showed up to the combine and was in better shape than he was the year prior, even though he opted out in 2020. So Chase just makes all the sense in the world. I cannot imagine them drafting tackle here. It is weird because it's such a huge need, but oh, yeah. like, I'm leaning towards John because the perception heading into Joe Burrow's rookie year was like he was one of the lone rookie quarterbacks like in recent times to have an actually good supporting cast. And it's fine. There are a lot of worse supporting casts, but as we saw last year, it was revealed that it actually was not. It, there's some nice building blocks here. There's a really good slot receiver. There's a really good like uh, right off the bat deep threat role, role player in T. Higgins who could be more than a role player, like could be – very very good and i'm not even trying to say he's a role player like he could be like a a very high quality starting receiver but they still need another weapon and this is they have so many needs so it's tough i don't know what i would prior i would honestly probably would prioritize the offensive line after watching him just get ragdolled like time and again last year 
but I, I you can just say if you don't like T Higgins. Pat, I actually love T Higgins, so I wasn't trying to slap him with that that tag at all. Um, but I could see why they would decide that they were still a weapon short, and like if a special player like that is there, usually you just take him. I don't get how <laughs> you're going to use this pick on an offensive line, and, and and you know, admittedly, according to everybody who's evaluated him, a, a great offensive lineman, potentially long term guy for your franchise. But it, is he alone going to make a massive difference in Joe Burrow's uh, protection? Is that a is that a silly question? I feel like I feel like no. I feel like the answer is no. He alone cannot block, cannot vastly improve what Pro Football Focus graded as the twenty seventh uh, best or the fifth worst uh, pass blocking offensive line in the NFL last year. I guess I I tend to just say get the best skill position guy that you can. What a surprise. And, right. Right. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and go from there. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow could also do a better job of getting rid of the ball. He could, uh, there, you know, he, there, there are some PFF stats that indicate that he held on to it for too long last year and tried to make something out of nothing too many times. You know, that, that injury, I, I, I pushed back on this idea that the Bengals have to take an offensive lineman, uh, the other day on Twitter. And I kept getting, pictures sent to me of chase young or whoever the no i'm sorry it was another washington uh defender you know colliding into burrow's knee which is it was chase young young was in on the tackle but it was another guy you know which is an ugly picture and my response is it could that could have happened to anybody you know that it, it i know it happened to him but is what is he the first quarterback to get his knee blown out no we we this happens it was a freak thing so anyway Get Chase, log off. Plus, they have Jonah Williams at left tackle. Uh, they have Riley Reif, who they signed. And Reif, by the way, is a jag. Um, he doesn't matter, really. But that's not how Mike Brown has viewed things historically. So I bet that Reif, he's comfortable with as the starting right tackle. Um, and they'll just go from there. I, I genuinely think they should prioritize an offensive lineman. But at the same time, it does not matter what we think at all. It just We're just connecting the dots here of what they've done previously. I have two more points. One is a horrible joke that I should not. Like, it's too bad to say. Well, don't set up the horrible joke. Say, you got to say it and let us judge it. Riley Reef, Rife Reef is the oh. Eric Fisher of Luke Jokels. Uh, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and Danny. okay, uh, moving on. Danny, I will say you had you got the experiment you talked about played out in real time with the Jets last year. Where they had a horrible line. They got an immediate cornerstone left right. tackle. And Sam Darnold's protection was still terrible. It was a disaster. Yeah. It was more the worst one, in the league. More than one. It would help. It would help, but more than one player away. Pat, another incredible transition by mentioning Sam Darnold there. A lot of people believe that Sam Darnold is now the locked and loaded starter for the Panthers after they traded for him from the Jets. But would the Panthers dare at another quarterback, Danny, even after acquiring Darnold? I think they would dare do that. Uh, you know, mostly because I don't think that even the most ardent Darnold supporter uh, would say that he is definitely the long-term option for any team. Does Carolina hope that he is? Yeah, of course. But I would think that, you know, with the the Panthers owner being super aggressive at quarterback, uh, having, you know, put all uh, his eggs in the Deshaun Watson basket and that going obviously nowhere, they're, they're not, as a team, they're not going to settle, I don't think, with only Darnold. Uh, going into this year now I, I don't they won't be in position I don't think to draft a guy who will compete with Darnold and be able to take that week one job but 
we've seen crazier things happen. We've seen Dak Prescott be drafted, you know, to sit behind Tony Romo and the team could not possibly do that, you know? And so uh, that, that, that sort of scenario could definitely unfold with a guy like Darnold. I don't think they're entering with the mindset to take a quarterback, but if Justin Fields or Trey Lance falls, I could see them certainly considering it or at least trying to move back. This is where for all mocks and when you're watching on TV, like this is prime. And we'll talk about this in a little bit bears territory. Um, the Panthers have been open also about wanting a receiver, adding a slot receiver, because all steps need to be towards setting up the next quarterback, whether that's Donald or not. They haven't picked up his fifth-year option yet in the future, since that is determined who has yet to be determined who it is. And we have Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be available. Um, they're going to take some big cracks at important free agents, and that's what they're trying to do, whether it be an offensive tackle or receiver. But if the Bears come, we know the Panthers can select confidently a strong slot receiver at number 20 overall. So it just makes a lot of sense that this is where the Bears could also leap the Broncos uh, and take a quarterback here. So again, I don't think the Panthers are looking for a quarterback, but it would certainly help them if a good one falls there because then they'll have even more options. The Panthers traded for Aaron Rodgers in my Madden dynasty. Just a quick FYI. There that was go. last spring already. Spoiler alert. Uh, that was just the ranks. I do think – it's not official yet. I, I think the reports are that they will exercise this fifth-year team option. And mm-hmm. that is guaranteed for injury only, of course. Uh, so that doesn't mean a ton. But I think John has the exact right layout. that Their mindset is not going to be quarterback. But, like, if the dream scenario unfolds, they might do it. But – this trade for Sam Darnold came 10 days after the 49ers traded up to number three. And this was after the Deshaun Watson possibility was foreclosed. And it kind of seems like plans A and B went up in smoke. And so they just went on to plan C and that was Sam Darnold and maybe best player available at number eight. And that like Sam Darnold, yeah, should not pr- uh, preclude anyone from thinking like if the right quarterback falls to the n- number eight, like not to do it. But I, I do think, I agree with John. It's only like in a dream scenario that they do it at this point. We have already seen the Dolphins trade down from 3 to 12 with the 49ers, which you just mentioned, Pat. Then trade back up to get to 6 with the Eagles. Will the Dolphins potentially trade down yet again in this draft, Pat? I mean, would this be be totally unprecedented? I'm kind of losing. I think if they trade down, it'll be to then trade back up to number 1 overall. And that will finally, like the fifth trade will be the charm and will finally get them the pick they actually want. Uh, I think, so it certainly seems like from very well-sourced people that it's a strong possibility. And I think maybe it will only happen though, if like one of those signature weapons is not there, like they'll be comfortable sitting pretty, like if they can get Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. um, But that if one of those guys is not there, like that plan then like the late the fifth iteration of like their first round plan for this draft is up in smoke. Maybe they move on to their sixth plan and they move down yet again. Cause I mean, I don't know. Is there, is this really justifiable what the dolphins have been doing? Like, I feel maybe there's some sort of master plan, but I, this is not how I would be approaching the first round, like yo-yoing back and forth in the, the, the preceding months of the draft. It is very, very strange. I assume, I could be wrong, but I assume they have been jostling their position just to ensure another playmaker to continue this strengthening offseason for Tua, to set him up for success no matter what happens for the rest of his rookie deal to see if they actually have their franchise cornerstone, which makes me think that, and I'm still far from 
permanently setting this one, but which makes me think Jalen Waddle could be the pick at number six. Uh, if they're willing to trade back, I can't imagine they would be taking a tackle here because if that's the case, they would stick for their guy rather than moving back, knowing that Sewell and Rashawn Slater will both probably be gone inside the top 10. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but I just think they're taking advantage of the NFL. Like the NFL wants to move around and overvalue, whereas every team and smart general managers are actually trying to move back and stockpile picks. It's just weird because they've done both. So it's just very right. strange. I, but, uh, but I do wonder if they <laughs> move back with the intention to move back up, like on purpose. Yeah, it, I, I just think I don't. I, know. I do think it comes probably all down to Pitts and Chase. And if they get the feeling like heading into the draft that that's just not going to happen, then well, we, I guess we are already heading into the draft. Like a trade down could come any day now. If, like mm-hmm. the word gets out, basically that four and five are locked in on Pitts and Chase. I wonder, you know, if if they end up with Waddle, you know, they added Fuller. I guess this is if they if they stay put. What happens to Devontae Parker? Like the, I feel like Parker has gone from like the unquestioned alpha number one guy last off, last off season, last summer to, I don't know. I mean, probably at least, well, he's the wide receiver too right now behind Fuller, uh, like instantly. And, and then if they add somebody else, maybe he's the two B or maybe even the three. Uh, so I, I get very concerned about Parker whose ADP does not reflect that sort of changing, you know, role. I don't, I don't really understand his offseason ADP too much, but uh, I think he, he's definitely someone who could, def- who could lose out here, uh, depending on what the Dolphins do. Well, Fuller is still on the one-year deal. It's small one, just six million. So there's no guarantee he's he's back. But also, anyone they add will be in their eleven personnel. Lynn Bowden is not a starting slot receiver in the league. He's he's only in his first year in the league. He's already on his second team. So whoever they pick will have an opportunity to start. Um, Waddle, that's why I like him, though, is because also just to average over 19 yards for punt return as a chess piece, he can do a lot of different things. And also, if you are interested in betting, he has the same juice right now uh, to go over or, you know, uh, it's your choice between him and Devonta Smith. And, like, Devonta Smith isn't even getting rumored as a top 10 pick. Like, no one's taking a guy under 170 pounds <laughs> in the top 10 there's no way so uh that's a pretty good line for waddle in my opinion so you can't be the lightest guy on a good football show and go in the top 10 in the nfl draft if i eat a meat mountain i might weigh more than Devontae smith (laughs) like on a given day if i if i put down a meat mountain i think i've got it smith keeps getting mocked to the giants and it's like dude dave gettleman there's there's no way like that's just wrong there's no way Mm -mm. by the way do we all agree that the dolphins should do this should take a receiver because to me, they have like the ultimate, like if you could turn injuries off, you like the Dolphins supporting cast, but you've got Will Fuller and you've got Preston Williams and even Devontae Parker, who's, mm-hmm. kind of, who's a warrior who plays through a lot of injuries. But I mean, it's one of the reasons they're in this position, like probably feeling this is a knee because Devontae Parker was just not an explosive player. I mean, already a guy who needs isn't like the separation master and was like not an explosive player last year as he played hurt. It, it just real quick on Parker, his separation – he was tied with AJ Green for dead last in the league last year. I couldn't believe. Well, I, I could believe that, but I still couldn't believe that AJ Green <laughs> and Devonte Parker averaged the same amount of separation in 2020. It is a good thing he cashed in and that eight game stretch when Preston Williams went down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the bet, the smartest thing he's ever done. You got a good financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to remind you. 
our premium product subscriptions at the NBC Sports Edge cover all sports. So you can still get access to NBA, NHL, and MLB premium products for 10% off any subscription. Enter the promo code GOOD10. All right, we talked about the Giants a second ago. Holding the 11th pick, Daigle, would Dave Gettleman actually trade back in this draft or any draft for that matter? No, I don't. I can't believe he even talked about how he's only never done it because he doesn't want to get fleeced. Like he doesn't even know what getting fleeced is because he's never weighed offers. Uh, the idea of Gettleman getting value does not exist. Those two things should never be in the same <laughs> sentence together. They're going to stay put at 11. I don't know who they're going to draft, but he did say something really interesting. Um, this is the exact quote taken from his press conference. He said the best part about working with Joe Joe and his staff <laughs> is the direction on the type of players they're looking for. The biggest direction being with linebackers and looking for versatility and two-way go guys. And the only person in that range that comes to mind is Micah Parsons, of course, who has been mocked lower on boards because he's he's had some issues off the field at Penn State. But if they're looking for a versatile specimen, like that's exactly what Parsons is. So I'm curious if I should just start go ahead and mocking him there because the Giants ain't moving. Yeah, done deal. Parsons to Giants. Let's let's put that on the board. <laughs> I just don't why did why did Dave Gettleman like voluntarily resurface this meme? Like we <laughs> might have actually not been talking about it if he hadn't just brought it up for no reason. And I, I think the only way they would do it, so at their number eleven, right? Is if one of those quarterbacks falls and there's just someone who's been waiting to pounce, maybe that's a scenario where like even Dave Gettleman could not say no. Cause maybe then his preferred linebacker like Johnson could maybe fall. That would seem to be the only scenario to me, right? Dave Gettleman, someone with a almost decade-long history of never trading down in the first round. Like, it's going to have to be like clear and obvious, and that would be clear and obvious. Like, if there's a quarterback that he knows someone needs there, but other than that, I just can't see it happening. The, the team should consider not letting Gettleman do press conferences. <laughs> they should. I, I think this, this is a, a, a pretty clear, good, you know, PR move on, on behalf of the, of the Giants. Why are you letting this guy just talk? I mean, he, he, he during that press conference, he he said that, yeah, we, we signed Devontae Booker because he's a three down back. What? Excuse like like, OK, like, I guess, you know, four, four years ago, five years ago, that that would have made sense. Maybe I, it's, a, it's a bizarre. And also they signed them. They they outbid themselves. They paid him two years and six million for a guy who I, you know, guarantee you, not a, another single team would have signed him for more than one year and maybe a two million. Okay, so they they outbid themselves. He is, um, a, you know, a, a joy to watch speak from an entertainment standpoint. Uh, but yeah, to get back to your question, Matt, no, I, d- I don't see them trading, <laughs> trading back. That's almost funny about all the spin coming from other networks. It's they were saying that the Giants were going for it, like they were competing and spending this money. It's like yeah. the Giants did nothing but bid against themselves. Adoree Jackson, Kitty Galladay. Yeah. No one else was even in their range. The difference is Dave Gettleman knows he has one year left, so this is not his problem anymore if and when it fails. He's exactly. out the door, and someone else can take on these dumb contracts. So uh, I think they stay put overall. Yeah, yeah the Giants offseason has been a, a complete disaster from, from start to finish. Well, as of this moment, the Broncos quarterback situation is borderline comical itself. It's Drew Locke, then Brett Rippon, and I believe Bubby Brister filling out that <laughs> QB depth chart. Are the Broncos, who as of this moment hold the number nine pick, even trying to add competition for Locke under center, Denny? I hope so. You know, for for all the, you know, potentially great pass catchers in that offense, Noah Fan, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, 
you know, even a guy like KJ Hamler. I mean, that that pass catching group is potentially very explosive and they don't need the greatest quarterback to ever play, but they need a decent quarterback. And that's not what they what they have in log. I mean, right now, we're speaking a week before the draft, of course. Right now it looks like the team is ready to clear the lane and say we you get one more shot, Drew Locke, to be the guy. Uh, there's no indication that that will, you know, succeed, but it's a little bit like what the the Bears had had to do with Mitch Trubisky. You know, it's like like that sunk sunk cost situation where you're just you're just stuck. You know, and they would have done well to bail last year. They didn't. They would they should bail this year. They're not. It doesn't look like they're going to. Um, you know, but you know, getting back to Bubby Brister, by the way, I, I remember <laughs> Bubby Brister being very good in my video games back in the '90s. So, I, how dare you? Didn't he play video games? Wow, quite the revolution. I did, I did when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Did you have injuries on or off when you were using Bobby Yeah, well, I, 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 I thank you for mentioning that. Pat said if he had injuries off. I, I like how Pat's brain, you know, completely yeah. processes reality as, as, as a video game. <laughs> oh, it's ruined. You're ahead of your time. He's a ruined human. <laughs> so uh, if you're going to play a video game, why do you have the injuries on? I'm just here to escape, all right? You know, I don't need the six-week hamstring, hamstring pull in madness. You go, John. Uh, GM George Payton has mentioned that the Broncos are in the market for a quarterback, but they are looking for someone like a veteran with intelligence, um, someone who Drew Locke can essentially learn from. So that doesn't ring a bell with a rookie. That doesn't sound like any developmental project that they're interested in, which is which makes me think they probably will – Oddly enough, as weird as I think it is, lean, tackle, or defense in the draft right now. I thought you were going to tie it all together and say they would acquire Teddy Bridgewater, therefore uh, mm. paving the way for the Panthers to draft another That makes a lot of sense, too. But but the only thing is, does it – jumping from number nine to number eight is the only issue here because I'm assuming they'd make that swap for Teddy Bridgewater, but there's no need to get for them to get to – eight if they take a quarterback in return that's why i keep getting confused on because i've thought about that scenario a lot it could just be like a totally separate like one-off trade or something too i guess um i don't know yeah i I guess if no one maybe if no one jumps to four or five like uh the quarterbacks come off like slightly slower than we expect maybe they will go quarterback and that is weird because you mean it's a new gm so we don't know how the front office really operates so we're kind of flying blind like the broncos like philosophy now um, it, I think they should draft a quarterback, uh, but it seems I, it, all the signs seem to be pointing towards, yeah, they are not going to do that. And like, if anything's going to happen, it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater. It's funny. You said veteran mentor for Drew Locke. My head immediately went back to Bubby Brister. I just feel like the solution <laughs> was right in front of us the whole time. That's Bubby, where everything goes. Bubby, Brian if you're, Greasy. If you're, right. If Bubby's listening, you know, check it out. See if, <laughs> see if they're in, uh, in the market for a 58 year old quarterback. <laughs> James Conner is no longer in Pittsburgh. It's Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, Jalen Samuels, and Kalen Balage in that Steelers running back room. Will the Steelers, with 24th pick, be the first team to take a running back off the board, Patrick? It seems like it, does it not? I mean, they're the only team so far kind of like uh, aggressively connected to one. And I mean, they are, I mean, I, I guess, so we wouldn't do it, I'm assuming. We wouldn't uh, take a, a running back there. Um, but they have had now three years of kind of feudal post uh, Le'Veon Bell committees. The first year wasn't so bad with James Conner. He was playing very well, but he couldn't stay healthy. And that remained the recurring problem in the past two years. It's a team like going back to the Bruce Arians days too. They've always preferred like a foundational three down back. And so I think the Steelers probably are still 
like the money favorite. You got to look out for the Raiders at 17, of course. They only have Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, and they need another running back. Got uh, Adam. Yeah. And then, I mean, maybe the Jets at 23, one spot ahead of the Steelers, because the Jets are going to have a rookie quarterback. They had no run game to fall back on whatsoever last year. That was oh, bad for Sam Darnold. It's a defensive minded head coach. Maybe he thinks he can kind of scheme up the defense and concentrate on adding pieces on offense. Um, but the Steelers, I don't see anyone more obvious than the Steelers. I I believe the Steelers are all in on 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 getting a, a, a running back in the in the first round. I think it's it's a way of saying uh, we're done with this. Like we're done with uh, like trying to find somebody who will take the job, or like splitting it up according to like a hot hand philosophy. I I think that they they desperately want to be a tough nosed team. We talked a little bit about this the other day on, on the Monday show, but they want to be a tough nosed team. And, and I guess the way to do that is to invest heavily <laughs> and maybe stupidly, some would say in uh in, in a first round running back uh, fantasy wise, I wouldn't, I would be intrigued, you know, uh, if, if that running backs ADP stayed reasonable now, will it, I don't know. I doubt it. It bodes well for the next guy, whomever that may be, whether it's Harris or not that remember, we use counting stats like the touches per game, the Steelers running backs are receiving. But if you just look at the overall rate, James Conner was a workhorse. He was getting over 65% of the backfield's touches. It just doesn't matter when this offense is running at the league's lowest play rate and neutral game script. So there just weren't any touches to go around. But when there were, it did go all go back to Conner, which means it'll likely all go back to the next guy ahead of Benny Snell too. Um, I have seen ETN in a few mocks in the middle of the first round i don't think the teams have been pinpointed correctly just yet peter strager had him at washington doesn't make much sense to me um i've seen him at the dolphins with their second pick which does make sense at number 18 so i'm interested in etn plus 150 as the first running back off the board but at the same time if that's the case then you should probably also correlate over one and a half running backs in the first round because harris does seem like a done mm-hmm. deal to the steelers Denny, I know how pumped you are for the Andy Dalton era in Chicago, but <laughs> we have to ask the question. Assuming that the Niners don't take Mac Jones third, will the Bears attempt to move up from 20th to get Mac Jones? Mm. I mean, why would you do that when you already have Andy Dalton is the question. When you already um, have Mac Jones. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. You have the fully realized version of Mac Jones already. Wow. Wow, disrespectful on on all accounts. Uh, yeah, I, I I think that that's definitely a possibility. I I don't know how comfortable the team is with with Dalton as like a one or two year option, a bridge quarterback. We use that term so much, but it, it's such a, a prevalent thing in the NFL right now that they wouldn't get aggressive in that way and get a Mac Jones. But you know, I mean, if if other teams are you know including the 49ers, which I mentioned, very smart organization you know very a well-run organization mostly if a team like that is considering mac jones with the third pick then i imagine that the bears brass may you know may jump at that opportunity if if it presents itself i only bring this up because if mac jones does not go to the niners it's funny that we have no idea where else he's going we've heard one team linked to them and that's it that's the 49ers except the Bears are well known to be wanting to move up for him. 
Uh, that's the guy they would trade up for because, of course, that's the guy they trade up for. <laughs> and they have four sixth-round picks. Like, they have capital they can just send over. They showed they're more than willing to do so, Ryan Pace, who does not understand value at all, and moving up for David Montgomery when they only had three or four picks in that draft to begin with anyhow. So now with all this capital, it's actually pretty scary uh, because Pace can easily get this deal done. And – it makes sense if Dalton truly is viewed as the bridge quarterback there. Is it, is it possible that is it, sorry, Pat, is it possible that the Niners are just like pranking and <laughs> trying to get like a team like that's their smoke screen is to get the Bears to just burn a bunch of picks to move up and get Mac Jones? I mean, how brilliant would that be? It would be it'd be quite a it would just do it for laughs. Yeah, it would be uh, quite nice. I, I was the only thing is I believe the Bears only have three picks in the first one hundred and sixty-three. So, I mean, maybe they could like shovel a bunch of like day three picks in there, but they are like lacking. I, I unless I'm mistaken, I think they're lacking in like earlier, early ish 2021 draft capital. And like if you're at number 20, I feel like you probably need to include like a some pretty substantial draft capital. So, even right. if that is the dream to acquire Andy Dalton's uh, son, I, I think it will be tough for the Bears to pull off. I, I do think. You know, from a narrative standpoint, it, it could make sense. And hear, hear me out. It, you know, for a month or more, the Bears were apparently pursuing Russell Wilson, like trying to say, give their fans a reason to hope. Like we, like we're trying here. We're 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 trying to steal away one of the you know game's best quarterbacks to be our guy going forward. And so, addressing the quarterback of the future question would make sense for a franchise that that apparently is trying to say is trying to say to its fans you know we're doing our best here uh you know going into the 2021 season with Andy Dalton and nobody else behind him tough pr spin i would say three of their starting offensive linemen uh, are not under contract beyond this year. Allen Robinson's still on the franchise tag. Like there are a lot of necessities here, mm-hmm. even to set up your next guy to succeed. Uh, but I can still see them mortgaging their future for Matt Jones. <laughs> they got to take a tight end at number twenty. Let's be frank. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We will close with this one after a kind of surprising offseason, at least in one sense, where they unexpectedly kept Aaron Jones. Are the Packers, after taking Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon in the first two rounds last year, actually looking at Daigle's already shaking his head wide receivers (laughs) at the end of the first round, Daigle? I I just still, no matter how good or bad Jordan Love is at the next level, we we won't know this year either. I just still find it hilarious that they essentially wasted two years of his rookie deal. Like that's all smart teams are doing are maximizing rookie contracts. And here come the Packers literally just sitting on money. It doesn't matter at all. Um, that's why I shake my head. Cause it's still hilarious when I hear it out loud. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm hoping someone else has an answer here. I want to say receiver, but also Thompson has been quite smart and understanding the value in receivers is on day two which is why they typically don't even try to get someone on day one. Um, so I'm just curious, like, with someone what Pat thinks. Well, it's weird because I thought the Packers would uh, sign a receiver in free agency 2020. Then I thought they would draft a receiver in the 2020 draft. Then I thought they would sign a receiver in 2021 free agency. I thought they would acquire a receiver at the 2020 trade deadline when they were connected to Will Fuller. And they did none of those things. And my only conclusion, they've read all of Denny's content and come to the exact opposite conclusion that Denny's thesis is wrong and the wide receivers don't matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's weird. Like, I think the chances they re-signed one of the best pass-catching running backs in the entire NFL. So maybe they think the pressure is lessened. And like, 
they hit basically they hit on 17 with this like receiver core last year and somehow didn't go bust where even though they had some minor injuries too they weren't at the same time they stayed like reasonably healthy mvs like like hit his role to the moon alan lazard was fine as like a tight end ish type wide receiver but I, I don't yeah i just i just can't see them doing it on day one like john that just seems to be go against the way this front office uh, regards wide receivers i think they should definitely consider it because I still think it's a, it's like a huge problem, like waiting to blow up for them. Their lack of receiver depth. They got so lucky last year. This did yeah. not become a huge issue. Uh, but it's this seems like this is not so, not something this front office is going to do. Hey, I think wide receiver didn't become a huge issue, especially when Devontae Adams missed some time because Aaron Rodgers' play was so stellar. He, he was playing at such a high level that uh, maybe it didn't matter so much that uh, Alan Lazard, who was released by Jacksonville, I believe, became their unquestioned alpha receiver in in Adam's absence. So I would put that on Rodgers rather than saying, well, you know, Pat's right, and saying they hit on 17, and it worked. So results over process, I guess, in, in, in this case. Nothing indicates that they would spend a day one pick at receiver, but I do, I do remember John. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you mock a receiver to Green Bay? I did. did. Uh, logically, it makes sense because Lazard is on his exclusive rights tender, and no one, Robert Tony included, behind Devontae Adams is under contract mm. after this year. So they have so many openings to fill yet again. Um, a receiver makes sense, but also, will it really shock us if they go tackle or cornerback? Another H back. <laughs> By the way, have you guys ever have you guys ever sat down at a blackjack table with someone who comes in and is just like hitting on seventeen <laughs> yes. and like staying on thirteen and and suddenly they start winning hands and you're just in that right frame of mind. You're like, I'm just gonna go with it. Like <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is they've changed the deck now and, right. and it's working out. That's and then it it lasts like five minutes and then you cannot stand that person. Yeah, well, people leave. You know, if if that person yeah. sits and they're and they're constantly making the wrong calls, you know, according to the yeah. book, people will get up and leave because it's like they're like changing, yeah, they're changing the deck, they're changing the fate of the other people at the table. There's a lot of there's a lot of philosophical questions I have about that when people leave a table like that. But anyway. Just I, I would just say like once we are back opened. And uh, if you're making your first trip to Vegas, just avoid the last seat. Avoid the back man, because that's the one that takes all the heat. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, that's the end of our list of 10. Guys, anything to mention on the site before we depart? I have uh, an article that I'm trying to remember the topic of. Yes, uh, I, you know what I did? I, I'm fair and balanced, as everyone knows. I did a robust RB article. How man. do you approach... How do you approach the draft if you're taking running back in the first three rounds? And I, I, you know, I thought it out as a thought experiment, very navel gazy. Um, and uh, yeah, I take very little pleasure in reporting that there are some pretty good receivers <laughs> available in the fourth and fifth round. I will say this: everyone is engulfed in draft content and prospects right now. Denny defiantly does not care about your draft prospects. <laughs> he is here right. to tell you draft strategy in April, whether you want it or not. And I respect that. That's right. John, what do you have coming up about the draft? 
Um, well, you, you I got have, your mock out there, uh, so check the that out. Mock, um, or have already made a few adjustments on my end. I'll have one more mock Thursday night. Competitions, again, um, I'm not having sex this week. Competitions <laughs> close at midnight on Thursday, so I will have my last one up before then. And then You mean honestly, Wednesday, I'm assuming, correct? Or do you mean when, oh yeah yeah sorry Wednesday yeah. um and then yeah beyond that honestly it just seems like we're going to have quite a few shows uh we will have a post show after round one sounds like we'll have a betting show Friday morning I don't know who else is involved I don't know they just tell me to show up and I show up so I, I would say look for videos and we'll still have content on the site listen I'm just glad that we got the Daigle sex life update before the show ended I I needed to know that thank you we're, go- we're going on a few months strong did he got to only worry- <laughs> Got to only worry about mock draft accuracy. That's where my testosterone is right let's now. Let's go. Let's Send go. Send it all there. Send it all there. Dago, Pat, Denny, thanks, guys. And thanks to all of you for listening. We will see you next week.